I'm Dennis Ferris, and this is the Limitless Energy Podcast. And we're here in Tampa at the RV Super Show, and we're going to take advantage of this opportunity to bring on some very interesting guests. I'm here with John McDaniel, uh, founder of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation. And uh, first of all, sir, thank you for your service, and thank you for everything that you do for our veterans. Uh, you know, it's an honor to be here and finally meet you, Dennis. Um, your team has been amazing. They've they've helped the foundation. You personally have helped the foundation uh, grow. You've invested in it, and um, you know it's it's an honor to be here. And I, I wanted to personally thank you right off the bat for what you and your amazing team have done for the foundation. Well, you're absolutely welcome for that, and you know we're absolutely thrilled that we're able to help in 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 your mission and uh, what you're trying to do. So um, let's get right into it. How did how did this get started? Yeah. So I did a 20-year career um, as an infantry officer and a special operations guy. So I, 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 uh, I was on active duty from uh, 87 to 07. And um, when, I, when I retired, I, you know, I thought long and hard about what did I want to do post-military you know, military career. And you've heard a lot of people say, you know, find something that you're passionate about um, and, and figure out a way to, you know, to either make a career or a difference in, in that space. And um, when I was retiring in, in oh, like, oh, five, two years, when I got the special, I, I retired at a special operations command, which is a stone's throw from here where we are. And um, the war was raging in 2005 uh, when I first got there. Uh, I I thought you know I'll just do one more one more tour and then I'll hang up the tennis shoes you know I'll put the boots take off the boots and the uniform and so I went to so SOCOM back to Special Operations Arena to, to do that one more tour and um, the James A Haley Poly Trauma Center is is here in, in Tampa it's one of at the time it was one of two poly trauma centers and um, I used to go there routinely uh, up on the sixth floor because uh, it was the worst of the worst up there. And, you know, young men, you know, chewing on on rubber balls not to, so they didn't swallow their tongues, you know. And traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, it was, I mean, that's where the, the really, the guys that are really banged up go. And um, it changed everything for me. Here I, here I was at SOCOM, you know, making sausage, if you will, prosecuting the global war on terror and not even... 15 miles from the headquarters is this polytrauma center where these guys have, you know, been, you know, evac from the battlefield, you know, probably went to Germany and then from Germany back here and their moms, dads, loved ones are up there. And I was blown away, you know, even having been a combat soldier, I was just blown away with what was going on. And I thought to myself, geez, there's got to be something I can do. You know, I mean, I'm doing something. I'm wearing a uniform and I'm prosecuting this war and have, you know, been on the the other side of it, you know. But I thought, surely there's got to be something that I can do. Um, and, and and so I came up with this idea of, 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 I said, well, you know, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about the outdoors. I'm passionate about uh, the men and women who, who, who uh, you know, get wounded in combat and, and of course, this, this country. So I just combined those things, and I came up with the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation. And so here we are, 17 years downstream, providing you know world-class outdoor sporting activities for our nation's combat wounded Purple Heart recipients. And 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 it's uh, 17 years, you know, from the time I retired and started the foundation, you know, it's it's thriving. It's a going concern. 60 missions, 35 different states, and we serve between 250 and 300 combat wounded 
annually. So this is a passion of yours. You like the outdoors, but as you were visiting the facility and talking to these wounded combat veterans, mm-hmm. is this something that came up as you'd ask them what what they yeah. like to do, what, what would make things better? I mean, how did yeah. that originate? Great, great question. Okay, so the the person that was in charge of the polytrauma center um were on the sixth floor there well the, there was a recreational therapist up there her name was mary mary donovan and i got to know her and i i said uh you know what about taking some of these guys you know fishing i have a boat i you know uh I, you know live right on the water you know let's let she's the well yeah that'd be great you know and so but most of those guys weren't able to go fishing you know they were still, they were in, the, if you're in the polytrauma center with a traumatic brain injury or spinal cord injury, you're not going out on my boat, okay, mm-hmm. until you're discharged and they, you know, they say you're, you're good to go. So I thought to myself, well, what could I do? And, and you're going to like this because you're, 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 you're a guitar player. So I know that you're like, How, where's this guy going with this? Okay, <laughs> so check this out. So at the, at the uh, Amelie Arena, the big arena here in town, um, Van Halen was coming. Okay, and they were just getting back together with David Lee Roth was was it just it was the first concert in North America where where he was coming back to join the band. And I thought to myself, what if I get a suite? You know? And and I and, and I and I asked Mary Donovan, I said, Could you rock could you get these guys out of this 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 hospital, you know, and get them to this suite so we can rock and roll to Van Halen? She goes yeah, I could do that. So I said, done. So I bought the suite. I got all, I get it, you know, all, all arranged. And the next thing you know, on the concert day, I'm standing out there and these two tour buses rock up with all these combat wounded and they're all in, you know, pretty much all in wheelchairs. And um, they're looking at me like, like I owe them money. They don't know who I am. They have no idea. And I didn't care. I said, I just want to go, hey, let's get them out of this hospital because I know what that's like. So they all, you know, looking at me, we get them up there and, and, and boom, here comes Van Halen. And they're just rocking. And the next morning I called the, the, the sixth floor and to, to, to Mary Donovan. And I said, how's it going? She goes, listen to this. And she puts her phone and you can hear them. They're all rocking out and <laughs> having a blast. She said, it's nuts up here. You got to see it. They loved it. They loved it. And so I thought to myself, geez, I can make a difference. There's something I can do. And so that concert really was the very first thing that I, I was still on active duty. I was still wearing a uniform. And so then I got to really thinking about, you know, what could I do? And I thought, surely I can't be the only person on the planet that likes to hunt and fish. I know that's, I know there's lots of people that like to do that. And a lot of these veterans surely would like to do that, have done it or would like to do it. And so that's that. That's how it all started. And I started taking them. I had a place in the Florida Keys. Okay, I had a place here in Tampa, and I had this a ch- big chunk of property in in northern Wisconsin. And so that's what I started doing. Is I it was just me and a one one guy. I was just doing onesies. And then and then when I, you know, they were spending long weekends with me, and I'd get to know them, you know, obviously. And I thought, wow, this is really helping. It's not only helping them; it's helping me. And. Um, so you know as things grew and i sort of figured out how to do this we were we were adding you know one two three and operating in small groups so so now we operate in in fire fire team size like five is a good number because that's how we fight so the basic the basic fighting component of an infantry unit is a team 
and then there's the squad. So the team is about five or six, and a squad is two teams. So they're used to that. They like that. And oh, by the way, if you get four or five guys together, that dynamic is great. You start getting bigger than that, you start losing guys. You know, it's like they get lost in the sauce. So they're so anyway, that that's that's what we do now and, and have been doing it. That's our formula and we've refined it over the years. But um it, it really it seems to work. That's great that it started from a rock concert. How from a Van that? Halen concert and now you're looking for peace and serenity and you know there you but, go. but um you know, I I just wanna to touch on the fact that uh as you put these events on, you have referred to them as missions. And yeah. uh, you know, it's as as a combat veteran yourself, there's obviously some similarities, or at least you're looking for some similarities to make it familiar for for the veterans as you take them out. Um, can can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, mission, powerful word, word, just super for a guy like me. That's a powerful word. Mission. I mean, I lock in on that so quick. Like everything that you, that I did. Well, you wearing a uniform I had to do with mission, okay? So, a mission statement, and and you know who, what, where, when, and why, okay? So, so that's the basic component, components of a mission statement. It's the second paragraph of a six-paragraph operations order, like in my language and the language that I grew up in, right? So we don't do anything without an operations order, and there's typically there's five paragraphs to that you know everything from the situation mission execution communications um and you know logistics support those are the five basic paragraphs of a mission right of, a, of, a, of an operations order but uh you know mission is, is is a very powerful word and and so it has the two basic chunks to that is one is a mission essential task yeah what must i do you have to answer that question what must i do and if you're, you've got a good mission statement, it tells you what you must do. Seize Hill 234, okay? That's my mission essential task. But the other part is purpose. You know, it answers why am I doing that. Mm -hmm. Seize Hill 1234 to protect Bravo Company's flank as they move on to Objective Green, as an example, mm -hmm. right? So mission essential task and purpose. And I thought to myself, geez, purpose, right? These guys have been banged up, right? And they had to take off their uniform. The one thing they wanted in all in their life is now gone, you know. Right. And and so, the mission's over. They're lost. They don't have a you know. They they, they have a sense of purpose is kind of gone. And so what the what I did did and what we're doing today is is kind of filling that 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 gap that void, okay. And and providing you know purpose, direction, motivation, and 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 connectedness. You know, getting them together in small groups, uh, you know, they have a great deal of respect for each other. They feel safe. And, um, you know, our tagline, Honor, Connect, and Heals, really says it all. Honor what they did, you know, their service and the sacrifices that they've made. You know, connect them, connect them with each other, connect them with communities and people who care. And, of course, the great outdoors. And in that layering process is their healing component. Right, because if you go back to like Vietnam, I was on I was in the University of Wisconsin as a as a freshman in like 1983. Okay, Saigon fell in '75, so you know at the time it seemed like it was a long distance between Vietnam and when I entered college, but it was like seven eight years, like 
I look back on that and I go, that was very fresh in the memory of the student body for sure. And uh, I would wear my uniform on, on, you know, my ROTC uniform to, to on campus every Thursday because that's what the deal was. And I was called all kinds of names. And I know what happened to that generation when they came home. We all know what happened. It was sinful. And so I thought, maybe we could, maybe I could do something, you know, that helped fix that in a small way. And so that's it. Yeah, that was on your mind that far back. Absolutely. You were just getting in college. See, I'm still learning myself, like, mm -hmm. like discovering, you know, when you ask me these questions, you know, I recall to mind certain things that, you know, are really deep, deep, deep seated, you know, and that's one of them, you know, that, 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 you know, that memory of, of, of boy, you know, if you went off to a foreign country and fought, you know, free, you know, for freedom somewhere, you know, um, and then came back home, everything's different. I promise you, everything's different. The, 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 the trip to the refrigerator is different. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you definitely have a level of peace and serenity in you, and it's probably because you are very connected to your mission and purpose, you know, and you know what it is, and I, that's, that, I think that's, that's great. And, well, thanks uh, for saying that. Um, you know, we, I can certainly relate to having a sense of mission and purpose that drove me to be doing what I'm doing now and it's it's really cool that we can align in some way mm -hmm. anyway so um, maybe we can talk about what we have done together um, and the uh, the facility you put together up in Wisconsin so yeah. it's a completely off-grid facility uh, where wounded veterans can go up there and basically look for peace achieve peace um, talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. that outfit and what we've what mm -hmm. we've been working on together, I guess. Sure. Well, I was on, I was on mission. I don't know where I was. I was someplace in Middle America when I got a telephone call from my uh, from my office, the foundation's office, the headquarters. And my assistant said, uh, you know, we've got uh, these guys rang up. Uh, they're 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 from this company called Dragonfly Energy, and 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 their 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 consumer product is this this battery, this Battleborn battery, this lithium ion battery, and uh, they want to talk to you. And as a matter of fact, they want to become five star sponsors. And I said, really? I said, oh, okay, cool. So set it up. So we had to, we we had a teleconference. I didn't know who you were at all at the time and I would say this goes back like you know we're probably talking three years now two and a half I think mm -hmm. and uh, so I take the call and uh, and and Wade's on and uh, and he says to me hey I just got to tell you we know what you're doing and we want to help you okay and he introduced the company and your mission and, and and I was all ears and then he said you know, we, we chose you because I went to high school with a guy by the name of, of, of Gabe Fieros. And I go, I know. I know Gabe. He's one of my associates. I know him well. You know, it was back at the time when I was on every single mission. And I met, I met Gabe in the state of Washington on a salmon fishing trip that we did. <laughs> and, and we bunked together. So, you know, you get to know And I always thought the world of Gabe. I still do. He had a real calm personality. And, you know, I like that. You know, it's just sense of calming you have that same thing you got that same trait i work on it you know yeah well, <laughs> you do and and so so did gabe 
So does Gabe. Anyway, so Wade went to high school with Gabe, and, and Wade called Gabe and said, hey, I understand you're a veteran. Yeah, hey, it's been a long time since I chatted with you. And he said, we're looking to connect with a veteran organization. Do you know any? And Gabe's like, as a matter of fact, I do. Gabe's been through our guide school. He's one of my certified guides. We have a 10-day guide guide school, probably the finest one, you know, I think in, in the nation, if not the world. And I can say that, you know, that's a bold statement, but it's true. And, got, and Gabe's been through that course, and now performs these missions as I did along with 21 other guides that we have and so anyway uh so your team's like okay what can we do for you I said well I have this chunk of train in northern Wisconsin it's 410 acres of wild and remote property and um you know right now uh, I mean it's off grid but the only way it's powered is by an 8kw generator so here we are in this really remote site in northern wisconsin with a Mm -hmm. generator providing this power and it's kind of putting the harsh on the mellow you know i mean that's really not the idea of unplugging it didn't always have to have generator on but but you know um there's often times where we had to have it on and so anyway he said well we'd like to see that i said perfect and um so not only not only did you guys show up and i'll talk about that because i i it takes a lot to impress me, but I was super impressed by your team. But the professionalism, the precision, and of course the end state, you know, the the product and how well it performs. And so anyway, he's like, well, we'd like to fly in and do a site survey. I said, perfect. I'll meet you up there. So I went back up there. You guys flew in. We went out to Camp Hackett. And, and there's like three guys with measuring st- tapes and you know they're you know calculators and they're crawling all over the camp and they're there for like two or three hours and they're like let's go to lunch i go that's it they're like that's it so okay fine so i wasn't you know i was, I was like well all right so we went to lunch got back on the plane they flew away and then about i reckon maybe a week or two later they're like hey what are you doing on this date and i go i, I can't make it but i'll tell you where the hide key is for camp you know, if you want to get in and open up camp and do your thing, absolutely. So uh, they said, perfect. They showed up, and, and I think that team worked well. I know they worked well into the night because I saw the video, okay? And they're taking videos. I remember seeing we have a, a, a an out shed. It's an equipment shed, and they asked me, would you like to have lights going to that shed? I said, absolutely I would. And uh, actually, we have two sheds. If you could get a light, you know, even if it's a small little light bulb, it'd be great, you know. But there's, you know, everything is wired perfect. The lights work. The battery bank is there. It's inside. And, and your whole system is there. And I, I, I mean, I liken it like to a special operations mission. You know, you came in, you did your thing. The clamshell opened. Lots of stuff happened. The clamshell closed and it went away. And things were different. And that's what that's what your team did. It's right. really super impressive, and and I'll tell you what's what's happening up there now is that generator is just a backup to the you know on the days where it's cloudy, um, you know, and you're not getting a solar power you know to recharge the batteries. That's what that generator is now doing, as opposed to a primary. It it it's an alternate source. Um, when when it's required, and it's not required very often, and so you changed our life up there. And now you're up there at Camp Hackett. The heroes are up there at Camp Hackett, and and we're off the grid. Continue to be off the grid, and um, it's quiet, and it's just the way I always envisioned it. 
but I never envisioned it really being being um, possible. But I think that the, it. it was a personal thing for Wade too. Uh, you know, he he definitely took mm. the reins of that project and he went up there. Yeah. I think he brought his his brother, some family, yeah. and some friends up there. And I remember that project. They were up late into the night they were trenching they were doing things that we don't typically do yeah. when we're putting batteries in rvs or boats so uh yeah. it was something that he, he definitely went above and beyond because he felt the mission mm -hmm. himself yeah. you know uh wade who now is our chief revenue officer mm -hmm. actually so that that's something that you know he's always been demonstrating a high uh level of work ethic for us so yeah, yeah we're real proud of him yeah so and, and and many others i mean i'll i'll tell you you know Customer service is, is is really everything, right? I mean, you got a great product, um, but uh, you know, to be able to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, "Hey, this is what's going on," I mean, your team, you know, on, on the one or two occasions where we were trying to sort something out that we that we just didn't have the technical expertise to do. I mean, we're <laughs> we're soldiers, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that we don't 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 understand, at least I don't anyway. Uh, you know how some of these, you know, uh, you know complex systems work um so uh but every time i picked up the phone to call somebody and say hey i need you know this that or the other thing or explain this to me you guys are all over it and you know that just doesn't happen i mean that 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 that's an, you know you you probably you probably know that but i'm going to ask you i mean I, I know it's my interview but i'm going to ask you you know how, how'd you do that i mean how did you create a culture because it's not just one person; it's everybody in this organization. You know, what have you done? I mean, just curious. How did you influence to that level where you were instill that sort of, you know, commitment to customer service? Well, I, I do think it starts with the mission of the organization, and everyone's buying into what we're trying to do, uh, which is to, you know, obviously to make energy storage more prevalent and have more. Uh, basically more renewable energy powering mm -hmm. what we do that's that's the mission of, of the company at the same time i think that problem solvers tend to be attracted to to the company to what we're doing i think we like to be innovative and we like to solve problems what you presented to us was a, a great problem to try mm -hmm. to solve with the tools that we have with mm -hmm. with our expertise and you know we just kind of we took those reins and you know when people call in it's always a problem. It's just like, uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to do this. How do I, how do I do this? And so our sales team, our technical support team, they'll be like, all right, well, let me think about it. There's, I've got these tools. And so it's kind of fun, mm -hmm. I think. And, and I, you know, I think problem solving is, is a big driver. The willingness to solve problems, is a big driver behind, mm. behind that. Yeah. So, you know, you got a great, you got a really great team. But I appreciate Thanks. you saying that. I, oh, I, that's true. I agree with you. I think our team is is incredible yeah. so i'm i'm fortunate well you know i always like to talk to leaders you know especially leaders of great teams because there's something there like there is i mean it starts at the top it it certainly does and 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 uh, i like to ask that question because you know i can i always learn you know can learn from from people try to you know i talk about culture right you know my organization has a culture your organization has a culture and as our organizations grow I think the guys that are and gals that are in charge in leadership positions, you know, that's what I think a lot about. You know, how do I preserve, maintain, improve, improve, and preserve the culture of the of the organization so that it <clears throat> continues to perform at high levels? Um, that 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 culture, uh, you know, 
permeates the organization. But how do you do that? You know? I, th I think that you need to be engaged at all levels of the organization. I mean, I was personally out on the floor assembling battery packs until pretty recently. Right. Every now and then I'll try to get out there just to, you know, mm -hmm. see what's going on. But, you know, honestly, I, I wouldn't help, you know. If, I, if I'm out there trying to make batteries, I'd probably get in the way at this point. Yeah. But, you know, I do personally like to see what, uh, you know, the nitty gritty, what is, when the technical sales team is working, they'll often bring problems to me mm -hmm. right outside my office. And I, I love to watch the marketing team work, for example, and things like this, this podcast. Mm -hmm. I, it's just so much fun to be engaged and be involved in, in what's going on at all levels of the organization. And I think when leadership shows that much interest in what, everybody is doing then that drives them to work even harder and they want to you know they're like oh wow what i'm doing is important and it right. does contribute to the mission so yeah no that's a great answer i think you're right um and it's like at camp hackett i'm still the guy i'm the original host you know mm -hmm. now that we have you know some you know 50 other missions across the country all basically modeling off of what i started in and you know back in, in you know an 06 time frame um and i still do it Every mm -hmm. fall, I go up to Camp Hackett. I'm the original guy serving these heroes. Continue to serve them, and uh, yeah. So there's a lot of modeling happening. Happening, but if if the boss is engaged, you know, is we have, we have, we used to call it the snowman model, right? In 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 in, in joint terms of you know, uh, joint war fighting terms, the snowman model. You have you know the 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 tactical piece, which is the the base, like the the base of the snowman. Then mm -hmm. the middle part. You know, you would have, you know, the operational piece. And then at the top, the smaller the head, you'd have the strategic. So really, those are the three levels of operations that we see in a joint warfighting arena is strategic, operational, and tactical. But if the boss started at the tactical side and worked his way up and, you know, is now, you know, still mostly focusing on strategic things, but dipping down occasionally into the operational arena, but then also doing the tactical piece right mm -hmm. people see that and i think it's important for leaders you know to to you know to do that mm -hmm. yeah that's uh i i love that analogy that's that's exactly right yeah. so um you said it i just put it in the, the, <laughs> you you brought up the snowman I yeah like that the snowman model. <laughs> yeah sure absolutely absolutely all right. Um, well, uh, just a few minutes left here. Yeah. Maybe we can wrap it up by uh, talking about the future. Where, okay. where, what's, where do you go from here with the, with your foundation? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, I think the future, the future of the organization. To be honest with you, Dennis, is is um, you know, continuing to refine what we're doing, but reaching more. The Purple Heart community is a small community. They're really believe it or not, aren't that many of them, you know, and after World War II, most of them are, 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 have left us, you know, and we were serving when I started 17 years ago, we had World War II guys that were going on missions with us, right. and uh, they're mostly gone, and, and, then, and then it was the, the Korean War uh, heroes, and then, of course, Vietnam, they're still, those guys are still very much part of our mission, but they're also, you know, aging. Um, so, uh, you know, I would love to work myself right out of a job where we didn't have any more Provo Heart recipients. Nobody wants to, you know, see our men and women get wounded, you know, in combat. But, you know, this country has a tendency to, to war. You know, I mean, you can go back in, in history and every 15, 20 years, we're back in the goo. Mm -hmm. You know, the global war on terror is not over. We like to think it is, but it's not. You know, we, we are certainly engaged, you know, in many places throughout the world right now 
it's just not on the head it's not in the headlines and it's not you know uh, you know, force on force, you know, things that we typically think about as, you know, you know combat engagements. Um, but, you know, I, I think when I look at it, I say, okay, you know, my original idea for the foundation was to build these healing centers, you know, like, uh, you know, American Disabilities Act compliant healing centers where we can get to that smaller population that, that, that really has mobility issues, the, the very severely wounded. Um, and I would, and, and Camp Hackett's going to be that model. Originally, that was the idea. I didn't think there would be other people that would be that interested in doing what we're doing. So I was, I bought that property in northern Wisconsin. I was going to build, build an ADA-compliant healing center up there, and I was going to have four of them across the country. That was the original idea. And then um, when other people started reaching out to me saying, hey, I know what you're doing. I want to help you. Like it was really as a business guy, it was immediately evident to me that I should pivot my model, like my thinking, because I could immediately triple, I mean, and then quadruple the number of heroes that I would serve if other people grabbed onto this mission and did what I was doing, as opposed to building these healing centers, right? So I kind of pivoted, uh, and and that's what we started doing. But I'm not letting go of that idea. Like, I, I will build an American Disabilities Act compliant, and we're in the process of doing it now uh, on a smaller scale um, at Camp Hackett. You know, we have an ADA-compliant bathroom now, and, and now the next piece is to, to, to add a, a birthing area where they can actually sleep because right now all the bunks are on the second floor. But we're going to build that wing, you know, build a wing out of the bunkhouse so that, you know, wheelchair-bound heroes can be served at Camp Hackett. And once I do that and people start seeing that, the light bulb's going to go on across the country for the other mission sets and go, wow, I could do that. And I think that's really important because uh, we're not able to do it right now. And you think I've done it personally where I've gone, you know, one-on-one -on -one with a guy, you know, who is, you know, spinal cord, uh, you know, paralyzed veteran. Uh, but it's super labor intensive. You know, I mean, everything is. I mean, you begin to think about, you know, all the challenges and, you know, and friction associated with getting somebody who's in a wheelchair on an airplane, as an example, and to the mission, and then, you know, performing mission, and then, you know, having him, you know, go or her go back to wherever they came from, and to do that transparently, right? So they fit into the group without people going, you know, you know, hey, I had to move the couch, or, you know, we've tried it, and we've learned that, that it's really difficult unless you have a facility that's American Disabilities Act compliant um, to, 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 to serve them. So that's what that's that's really next level for the foundation, I think. Uh, but before we break, I want to I want to do a little thing here. So I'm going to I'm going to pull this out of here. Um, and I, this this right here is um, this is our, our, our challenge coin. OK, and on one side of it um, is the, the the purple heart. And there's dates on there. The first date is 1782, okay? And the second date there is uh, 1932, 150 years later. See, and, and pictured on the Purple Heart is George Washington, mm -hmm. okay? And so George Washington um, used to issue enlisted men. Officers didn't get it. A little piece of purple cloth that went on their uniform, and he did it for merit, okay? So to be sure men that were wounded in, in, in under his charge were also given the piece of purple cloth but it, it says and it, to this day it says on the back of the purple heart if you get one of these 
okay and the only way you get one is by bleeding you know for your our country and you know essentially and while we wearing our uniform on the back of the purple heart medal it says for merit isn't that like i always thought that was and i i remember you know i remember seeing the first soldier you know my first unit when we went to combat that we you know, had an award ceremony and and uh, and we had 23 wounded in my unit and and, and the first combat action i was ever in and I watched this medal get pinned on some of these men, and I was like, it moved me. It moved me greatly. And so the dates are important because, you know, 1782, of course, you know, George Washington, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, as the, as the commander. And 150 years later, General Douglas MacArthur turned it into the Purple Heart that we know today. So um, it's a very powerful metal you know and so it's on one side of our challenge coin the other the other side has our our our, our, our logo on it um but in in military units the challenge coin is kind of a cool thing because when you get to be in a unit you get a coin and it's unique to the unit and what the guys all say is you know hey don't let me catch you in a bar okay or anywhere else uh without your coin because if you do you're buying me a beer right <laughs> you get coined guys are going to you know <laughs> like that and you're like eh, you know if you don't have your coin you're buying right so we would used to carry these things to, to you know when i was we used to carry our our coins in our soap dish when we would go to the showers honest to god so you didn't get coined people like coin you in a shower you're like ha try me now yeah anyway so uh th this one the only way that people get this is is by shaking my hand please shake my hand that one's yours okay thanks for what you wow. did for 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 this organization and the heroes that we serve it's it's super impressive and and i'm honored to, to to you know to share this space with you and i genuinely genuinely appreciate what you've done for our for our combat wow. wounded thank you so much john and i will accept this on on behalf of dragonfly energy on behalf of of the the folks in our organization so and excellent it's been intense and an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast thank you so much absolutely thank you well that's going to do it for this episode i'd like to thank john mcdaniel of the wounded warriors in action foundation be sure to subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms <laughs>